0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcasts, your one-stop shop. For everything college football and college basketball and Brandon before we get into everything what a games that we had or what a game, what a few games we had this past weekend Tennessee, Purdue was insane Duke, Michigan State, there were people that were saying that we got robbed of a great national championship between those two teams because they met in the Elite Eight and then you got Auburn who their star player goes down then they rallied behind the emotion of losing him to beat kentucky a great weekend here for the tournament sweet 16 elite eight
0: well this is what we're going to get all the time and it has not disappointed this has been another great march madness and it's not over yet there's been so much emotion there's been so many storylines i think one of the best is auburn uh with chumo kiki going down in the game uh, against uh, who was it that they were North playing North Carolina he goes down his team rallies they didn't need to do much rallying because North Carolina fell asleep on him mm-hmm. but I just loved their intensity that they played with against Kentucky they never quit in that game Kentucky proved to be a very very good team as they always are John Calipari coach team uh, and now they're for life I, I think that oh, Auburn has already overcome so many great things beating number 1 North Carolina in their in their region losing their number 1 player mm-hmm. beating number 2 Kentucky and now you're going up against Virginia, a team that a lot of people would say shouldn't should be not be no, there because the Purdue be Boilermakers had every opportunity to close it. I'm just saying yeah. per- the Purdue Boilermakers specifically in that game had every opportunity to close mm-hmm. it out. They were not able to close the window on them. You look at the game against Oregon. Oregon wasn't able to close the door on Virginia. But Virginia, another nice storyline from last year going out against the number 16 team that had never happened, ever, happens to Virginia they're back in the final 4 then you look at Texas Tech they're in the final 4 Michigan State in the final 4 for the first time since what was it 2014 mm-hmm. or or you know something like that
1: 2014 2015 i think
0: or maybe it was 2016. I can't I can't remember. It was it was just a couple of years ago, but 2015 I think may have been when they lost to Middle Tennessee. But this is this is really fun. This is really exciting. It's been a great ride. We've seen just some awesome basketball and mm-hmm. like I said, we are not done yet.
1: Yeah, Virginia to me, I'll be honest, I know people are going to say, "Well, they won the game, that's all that matters." You're right, but should have lost to Oregon, then should have lost to Purdue. Got a little bit lucky. In those games, but I can't wait for the final for this Saturday National Championship next Monday. That's why we're going to be coming at you a little bit later in the week Mm -hmm. next week because of that championship game. Um, We won't be recording on Monday. We'll be recording on Wednesday of that week. But, Brandon, before we get into what we're going to get into, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most available podcast. That's how you help support us. We've got new tiers on the way. They should be up. By the time you're looking at this, go over to patreon.com backslash Most Podcast, redid our goals, redid our rewards to give you everything that, we, that you want for supporting us, helping you help us. We're going to give back to you and give you something for helping us and making sure that we can give you everything that we want to each and every day. But Brandon, Jam Pack Show, it's just the versus show. We're going to have some showdowns. We're going to take a look at Jarrett Culver versus Cam Reddish. One prospect really on the rise. The other one kind of sliding down draft boards. We're going to take a look at those two guys today. Then we're going to move over into the world of football and kind of predict where the top five quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, and Will Greer, which teams they will be landing to and kind of some NFL draft discussion. Then we're going to come back into the college basketball sphere to discuss two second-round guards and Cassius Winston and Carson Edwards and kind of looking at them, Cassius Winston, obviously going to the Final Four. Carson Edwards is not. Jarrett Culver also going to the Final Four. Cam Reddish is not. So, Brandon, let's start with that first one, though. Cam Reddish, Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver is, if you look at draft boards, he is just skyrocketing since his play in March. And, of course, Everyone's on the national stage now. So, of course, more eyes are going to be on you. But Culver is moving up draft boards. You've got Cam Reddish moving down draft boards. I want to ask you, let's start with Jarrett Culver because he's the riser. What have you seen this year and from Culver in March that makes you either like or not like him, depending on where you are with J.C.?
0: Well, I think that uh, when you look at the way that he has played in the tournament, Mm -hmm. you look a little bit at, I look, first of all, how he's been shooting from the floor. So in his first game against Northern Kentucky, almost 60% from the field, that's pretty good. But then it goes down against Buffalo to 35%. Mm shoots back up against Michigan to 47 and then way down against Gonzaga to 26%. So I think that one of the things when he's at the next level it's going to be how good is his mid-range jumper? Mm-hmm. How good is he, you know, on the floor inside of inside of 3? Because when you look at his threes again in those four games, 3 out of 5, 1 out of 4. 0 out of five and 2 out of eight. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't established himself yet as a great three-point shooter. How is he going to be as a mid-range jump shooter? That's I think where a lot of people are going to wonder about him. He's a fantastic uh, ball handler. I think he's great as a as a as a ball handler. Someone who can certainly move with the basketball up and down the floor and can you know shake and bake really well. But then. If he gets a good shake and bake, is he going to be able to knock down and drain that mm-hmm. clutch shot? That's going to be, I think, a question for me and what certainly a lot of teams will look at next level NBA. Also, I think he's a pretty darn good defender. I wouldn't say probably the elite defender uh, at the next level, but he's certainly a guy who's been known for his defense mm-hmm. as well. But but my main concern on that, Ricky, is mm-hmm. he's got to get more consistent um, in terms of, a, if, of his mid-range jump shot.
1: Yeah, and I mean, for me, the thing that kind of – I want to go off of the defense because you mentioned that is – that's the thing that I think kind of separates these two in a sense because both of these – it's it's funny to me that what we thought Cam Reddish would be, Jarrett Culver is. Yeah. Where Cam Reddish, we thought he would be a guy that, oh, you know what, he's going to play – he can play off ball, he's going to shoot the three, he can drive to the basket – And he can play defense, which Cam Reddish can do, but we'll get into him in a little bit because he's kind of an enigma, um, I would say, for this draft class. But Jarrett Culver, watching his film, he's a guy that has the shooting stroke. I mean, the 70% from the line, I would like that to go up a little bit. He's a guy that averages about five, six foul shots. A game only makes about three to four Of those. So you'd want that to go up. But the thing is, he also rebounds the ball very well. He averages about six of those a game. And like I said, I know Dave and I kind of had this discussion on the fast break. I feel like Jarrett Culver is a guy that can play off ball well for a team. He's not going to be a guy that, hey, I got to have the ball in my hands. Can he have the ball in his hands? Absolutely. But he's a guy he can play off of it in pick and roll, hey, I'm going to set a pick, All right, now slide to the basket, you hit him driving, he can finish at the hoop, he can also shoot from the outside, and he has that defensive skill. Like you said, is he an elite elite defender? I wouldn't say elite, I would say a pretty damn good defender um, at the college level right now. And I mean, you look at the stats between them, and this is, of course, per 36 stats that I'm looking at, but you look at Points per game, Culver's got more, 21 to 16. Rebounds per game, 7 to 4.5. Culver has more assists than Cam Reddish. Um, Reddish has technically more blocks and steals, and Culver has l- less turnovers and fouls. But the thing to me is the true shooting, where Culver has a better true shooting percentage, he has a better um, efficient um, field goal percentage, and he has a better free throw rate than cam reddish what do you think it is with cam reddish that because to me i almost feel like we're in the nasir little boat with cam reddish not that he's going to be a bust at the next level but i often wonder with cam reddish if you were on a different team and not with zion and rj would it be different because culver does not have to play with rj and zion cam reddish does
0: Ricky, in our first big board that mm-hmm. we did, I, I think you and I, at, rightfully so at the, the time, dinkies. it was one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we we joked, but I think we were serious of, at, come the end of the year, we're probably going to be doing this same thing for one, two, three. And it's just a matter hair. of who's going to be two, who's going to be three. Mm-hmm. And now it's gotten to the point where... John Morant put himself into that category. Jared Culver has tried to put himself into that category. I I tried to uh, uh, lean on Brandon Clark to maybe mm-hmm. put himself into that category as well. But I, I asked the same question as you just did. Mm-hmm. Would Cam Reddish be any different if he was on a team not labeled the Duke Blue Devils? And my thought would be, Well, yeah, he would have to be. Cam's been able to, and I've said it a number of of times this year, where he's just disappeared. He's disappeared. He's gone off into the corner. Hasn't been called upon. Mm -hmm. And for Duke, to, to Cam's displeasure, I think, and what's worked against him, is that that's been just fine. Because they've still won games without him, they've still won games with him not playing at the top of his games. They've still won games with R.J. Barrett not playing at the top of his games. Because they have a guy called Zion Williamson. Well, they did. It's it's over now. But I think that Cam Reddish is still going to be a, a good player at the next level. You know, he's a, a, a he's a strong forward type. He can knock down shots from distance. he has shown that he can do that mm-hmm. uh, when when he's given the opportunity. Um, he can defend both big and small. that's that's going to be something that's going to be working for him. He can play the three he can play the four. you know he's not locked into having to do one of those things. I, I guess I, I also look at a guy who is at, at 68 with a seven foot one wingspan. There's a lot of uh, athletic ability there. I mean, he, he is a true athlete. He can space the floor. But for me, it's are what are we, you know, in a sense, you're asking, what are we going to see out of the real Cam Reddish at the next level? What are we going to see out of the real Cam Reddish where, yes, there's other players on your team, but guess what? Now you're being put into a different situation where maybe you are being called upon to be more of the man. Are you able to shoulder that load? And then if you do, what's it going to look like? Because we saw what it looked like with Cam Reddish as the number three, the clear Mm -hmm. number three. And it was okay. And a lot of people would probably say it was good for the number three. Does that excite you for him to be possibly a number 1 or a number 2 or does it make you nervous to be to have him be a number 1 number 2 even with all of his athletic ability with even with all the skills and mm-hmm. the positions that he can play What are you more looking for and leaning towards Ricky are you leaning towards more of I'm nervous because I'm not sure or mm-hmm. I'm excited because I think he could
1: I think the thing with Cam Reddish is that maybe, and this is me just throwing the question out there, because maybe at the beginning of the year, we expected Zion, RJ, and Cam to be finished products at the end of first year. And then we saw it. Like, Zion played a game. Well, let's be honest. Zion played an exhibition game. And everyone's like, he could be in the NBA right now. Like, he is, to me, and I've said it before on the fast break, I will say it here, I have been on record numerous times saying Zion Williamson will be the next best player in the NBA after LeBron James is long gone. Like, that to me is Zion Williamson. His track is becoming the next number one player in the NBA. That's what I see for him. Like, he played an exhibition game where you're like, oh, he could be in the NBA. R.J. Barrett throughout the entire year, and now at the end, we see and he go, okay, he can be in the NBA But we look at Cam Reddish, and I bring up Nasir Little because we've talked about this way with Nasir all year, and I feel like Nasir is on a more dramatic note than Cam Reddish because of how just awful he's been all year unless they play Iona. Um, But that's like a point that Sean makes. Like, oh, when Nasir Little plays weaker opponents, he plays well. When he plays tough opponents, he plays like poo-poo. But with Cam Reddish – I feel like maybe the answer is he's not a finished product yet. Like, is it okay? And the answer to me is yes, because it's a draft, and it's one year of college. Like, you're not expecting every single player isn't going to be, yes, I am ready to contribute 100% to an NBA team my first year. Not everyone's going to be LeBron James. I can step in as an 18-year-old kid. And fend for themselves in the NBA. And I just feel like maybe Cam Reddish is more of a project or more of a player that, hey, we're going to draft you because we see what the ceiling is for Cam Reddish. And we can feel like we feel like we can get the most out of him. However, the biggest question I think this is why people are so unsure about Cam Reddish. I think it was in this article that I'm reading from um, NBC Sports. The question is, where's his floor? Like, where's the starting point for Cam Reddish? Like, Like, most prospects you know, okay, this is what I'm getting at his very least. Like, this is what I know he'll be at the very least. The potential, this is what, like, the most he could grow into. But because I think we're unsure about where that floor is, that's why we're so unsure about him in the top three or even the top five of the NBA draft.
0: Well, do you think we've seen his floor? Do you think we saw it this year at at, I at would, Duke? I mean, we I would I, like to we, say no. We didn't, but we didn't see his ceiling. Yeah, no, we for didn't, sure, we we didn't see a ceiling. We n- the we, roof we know either. that. I I guess also too is any team that takes him, mm-hmm. and and I'm not I'm certainly not trying to sound doom or gloom at all. And I, this probably won't come off as that, but it's more of He's not a safe pick. Like, Mm-mm. whoever picks Zion for for the sake of Chicago, just the Bulls should just be able to oh, do it. I tweeted I mean,
1: today, Mike2K, um, one of our loyal listeners, was like, someone tweeted out, um, someone who does a Bulls podcast, was like, did the first sim of April and the Bulls were the number one pick? I'm telling you, if the Bulls get the first pick May, May 8th or May 14th, I'm going on NBAshop.com. I'm yes, dropping you are. money on a custom Zion jersey, and then I'm going to be mad because the Bulls will probably trade the pick to piss me off. I'll waste <laughs> all that money on a custom Zion Williamson number one Bulls jersey, which people might get mad at because number one is Derrick Rose's number, but I'm still going to do it because Zion was one in college, and he's going to be number one in my heart now. But I will, May 14th, buy that jersey. If we get the number one pick, but that's on a side note. Go ahead.
0: With with Cam Reddish, I I, I love your idea, and you've been saying that for a while, so I know you're not kidding. Uh, with Cam Reddish, though, it's it's no safe. He's not a safe pick. No, he's not a safe pick. Zion Williamson is a safe pick. R.J. Barrett is a pretty safe pick that you're going to get plenty of scoring. Mm-hmm. He's going to you know he's going to come with everything that we saw him do at Duke plus with cam reddish it's there you talked about it ricky Mm -hmm. there's there's things there to like and i I mean i mentioned some too but there is more question marks surrounding what more can he do and when will we see it that's the biggest thing with with cam reddish is that uh, that's why i go back to your number one question Mm -hmm. is if he was not with the duke blue devils if he was, if uh, this is, I think of course John Morant's a better player, but if he was the player on Murray State, where would people be talking more about about? And, and John Morant was over on on Duke. Then are we talking? Are we less about John Morant, even though he's still a great player, and more on oh Cam Reddish because look at he's done so much for his team because he's the only one. I mean clearly. When Murray State played, what well, was it, Florida State? They just got manhandled mm-hmm. in the tournament. John Morant still put up tons of stats and was phenomenal, phenomenal from three. Just an aus- You could just tell an outstanding ball handler had it together. It was just a pretty good talent. But no one else on Murray State did anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would that have been what we talked about with Cam Reddish, if he was the one on Murray State? Or would he just be... Oh, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what would have been the significance of him being the guy on another college team? And how would that have helped him? Or would that have possibly hurt him? Because we would have seen, OK, maybe he's he's a good player, but maybe he's going to come after number 10 in the draft. I know I'm maybe being crazy, but, uh, you know, it, it, could it have been changed
1: Really positively or possibly more negatively. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm looking at the teams that offered him, and he had 17 offers coming out. Duke was the one he was going to go
0: to. Duke was the only
1: school he When Duke
0: offers you for basketball, you're pretty much gone. But
1: here were the 17 offers for Cam Reddish. Duke, Alabama, Arizona, Auburn, UConn, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Miami, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Seton Hall, Syracuse, UCLA, USC, Villanova, Virginia, Harvard, and UNC. Look at a team like Villanova. What if he was – because let's be honest. If he went to Villanova, yes, they had their kind of senior guys there. He would have been the guy for Villanova. Like, yeah, Pascal is good. And but Booth.
0: Like, I mean, pa- Booth was but, another guy. But
1: they're not – like, if Cam Reddish is coming to town, Cam Reddish is the guy yeah. Villanova is excited yeah. for. like. What would he have done in Villanova? Good team, well coached team, but in an easier conference in the Big East and being the number one on that team. Like, I still go back, and my big thing is whenever we have the discussion on the fast break about Cam Reddish, Sean's a guy or Sean is completely negative about Cam Reddish, and rightfully so. Like, I mean, Cam Reddish has done nothing this year besides a shot against Florida State when Zion left the game with an injury that has given you any—like, if you're a Cam supporter, he has given you no ammo this year except for maybe that shot. And to me, I just—I wonder, and I know people say it's a crutch, or, oh, it's an excuse. I just—I wonder if playing next to RJ or on the same team with Zion— Too many mouths to feed where, I mean, maybe it's like Nasir Little in a sense. I'm going to bring that into it again where people are like, oh, look at his high school tape. But then his high school usage, UNC used him in a completely different situation. I wonder if Cam Reddish would have been the same way. And we're never going to get that answer. However, the thing we got with Jared Culver to bring him back into this discussion was he was a guy last year who him and Zaire Smith were paired up. Zaire went to the NBA. Jarrett Culver stayed. And Jarrett Culver is not a freshman. He's a guy that's now been in college for two years. Is that another kind of little reason of maybe why Jarrett Culver? Because last year, like even Dave said, Dave's like, if Jarrett Culver would have came out, I wouldn't have even known who he was. And he wouldn't have been high on my draft boards. But he stays. He has a really good year this year. And now he's top five, maybe now even rising in the top three discussion. Like, we had a discussion on the fast break weeks ago about who should be number two, Ja or RJ. And I know there's still people that think RJ should be two, but to me it's pretty clear cut. Zion's one and Ja is two when you're talking big board. I agree with you. Now, I would say Jarrett Culver is kind of playing himself into the discussion of like, at first you're asking, is it RJ or Ja at two? Now you can ask, is it RJ or Jarrett at three if you're putting together a big board?
0: Well I think too though is that I mean and, and again, I know this is a smaller sample size, but when you look at this tournament mm-hmm. and you look at what, what Texas Tech just did to Michigan, it's well, called how much
1: do you how much stock do you put in a couple games in March?
0: I'm I'm putting um I'm putting a decent amount of stock into it because the big-time players are going to show up mm-hmm. and play in the big-time moments. Yeah. And Jarrett Culver, Jarrett Culver is part of that reason that that Texas Tech defense was so dominant against Michigan, mm-hmm. a team that I think a lot of people thought was going to roll right into the Final Four, at least to the Final Four again You know, this year. And he was part of that defense. Pair that with his scoring, pair that with his ball-handling ability, pair that with you know, just the fact that he's a pretty darn good talent, that's why he's moving up draft boards is mm-hmm. because while he's not going to be shooting lights out lights out lights out and be this 30 points per game type of guy he brings a little little bit in in every single area and and I think that that's why he's been slowly rising whereas mm-hmm. a guy like Cam Reddish who you know a lot of people I think expected and had bigger expectations for him is slowly falling
1: cuz he's a part of the Duke
0: 3 you know I, again I, that's where we may not know until he gets to the – we weren't going to know until he gets to the next level what Cam Reddish – who – this is the question. We're not going to – it's not a question. It's more of a statement. Yeah. We're not going to know who Cam Reddish is until he gets to the next level. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know the real Cam Reddish until the next level because what we saw, I, I would like to believe that's not, that's not the real Cam Reddish. That's not the best that you're going to get from him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and – the thing i kind of think too and this is going back to cam and i'm not saying i'm not saying this will happen to cam i'm not even saying i wish this happens to cam but like you look at it and i'm going to reference back to the last time in my life i saw a collection of players come together and kind of take college basketball by storm was when i was like and of course for me it was looking back on it, because I was, like, two and three when it happened. But, like, even when I was five or six, it's hard not to know who the Fab Five are, especially when you get into college basketball and you start looking at Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and the NBA as you're watching that as a young kid. But, like, that's the last time I felt like a collection of just players were like, hey, we're going to go to this one school and we're going to dominate. RJ, Zion, and Cam are in that same discussion, but if you look at it, out of all the FAD 5, Chris Weber, he had a pretty long NBA career, drafted in 93, played all the way until 2008, then you have Jalen Rose, drafted in 94, played all the way until 2007, Jawan Howard, drafted in 94, played actually all the way until 2013, and is now an assistant coach in the league, But then you have, like, the other guys on that team, which it was um, Jimmy King was one, drafted in 95. By 97, he was down in the the D League. Then you look at the other one, um, Ray Jackson, he went undrafted and didn't even play in the NBA. So it's like, I'm not saying Cam Reddish is going to be like Ray Jackson where he didn't play. I'm not even saying... Cam Reddish is going to be like Jimmy King where, hey, he gets drafted and then kind of slides out because Jimmy King was a second-round pick. No way Cam Reddish is going to be a second-round pick because he's going – like Cam Reddish to me is either going to be a top-five pick or just outside the top-five. When we get to the June's draft, I almost said April, but I'm on (laughs) NBA kind of scheduling there – or NFL scheduling there, I just – I don't, Cam to me, the one word, if you said, Ricky, describe Cam Radish in one word, the word I would use is enigma. Yeah. Because it's the biggest question that nobody seems to have an answer to. And there's some people out there that if you're a like Cam Reddish supporter, you're gonna say he's gonna be the biggest steal in the draft because that's what you feel. But then there's gonna be the other side of it, which Sean Anderson is on, where it's kind of like on the other side, where if you take this guy too high, you we might be looking at him as not like a bust to where he's out of the league, but like looking back where it's like man, you know, maybe Cam wasn't worth that top three pick. Maybe we should have taken someone else in that draft. And it's – I'm going to go back to the question of the biggest reason why is I don't think we can for sure pinpoint where his floor is because of the struggles that he's had this year at Duke.
0: What Do you mean floor or do you mean ceiling? Floor,
1: because I think everyone knows, like, the ceiling of what he can be, what we want him to be. It's just we don't know what we're going to get Like We've at seen the some base bad level. games from him. And I'm that, hoping that's the well, floor. No, no, no. And that's <laughs> it. By floor, I don't mean what he steps into the league as. What I mean by floor is at the very least progression-wise, okay, this is what he's going to be. This is what he's going to develop into at the very least. That's what I mean by floor. Whereas ceiling is he reaches his full potential and he gets all the way to the top of his growth.
0: I know what they mean. Yeah. I just was checking to see if you were using it correctly. I also (laughs)
1: wanted to clarify for um, them too, where we don't know the least of like his growth. We don't know where that least is. We don't know where it is. Is it a little bit better than he is? Is it a lot better than he is right now? And I think that's why he's falling down draft boards like he is because nobody's like, Ugh, we 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 know what he could probably be at his best, but what could he be if he hits like his least amount of growth? And that's a big question. Whereas Jared Culver, I think a lot of people are saying, okay, at the least he could be this for us, and it's for sure solidified, and it's not as big of a question as Cam Reddish.
0: One of my, my, my final question for <laughs> mm-hmm. you, Ricky, um, is it gets to the it gets to the NBA draft. Do you think that he's potentially out of the top five, or do you think that Cam Reddish is no. still a top five guy that's taken? I think. And and what team do you think think takes so him, and why?
1: I think he's still a top five guy. Another thing we haven't talked about that isn't big, but it'll we won't get the answer until the combine is. Dave has brought this up before. We need to see measurements. Because right now, wherever you look, Jarrett Culver is listed as 6'6", six, six, which yeah. kind of puts you more in a two-guard range. But hey, if he gets to the combine and gets slotted at 6'8", all right, now he's a three. Then things become more interesting. Because if he's, if he's grown and he's at least 6'8", or even maybe 6'7", but more that... Six eight, you could then make the discussion for. All right, Jarrett Culver could now be a three instead of just a two, where because that would put him at the same height as Cam Reddish. I don't think Cam Reddish falls out of the top five, and the reason why I say that is if we look at the order right now as we are recording it, the reason why I say he doesn't fall out of the top five because if everything stays chalk as it is right now, Zion would go to the Knicks at one Ja would go to the Suns at number two, Cleveland would take RJ Barrett because they, to me, yes, they have context, but they need a guy that has that Mamba mentality. As we've talked about with RJ Barrett so many times, the bulls, This is where you ask, like, this is the the question we're asking right now is what the Bulls could face if everything stays chalk. Who do we go with, Cam Reddish or Jarrett Culver? I may be leaning towards Culver for the Bulls, which then means if the Hawks are at five, I would go Cam Reddish with five or six, because the Hawks have both of those right now, but... Yeah, I feel like if it's right now, Cam Reddish would be at least the fourth or fifth pick, and I don't think he falls out of the top five. Um, The only way he falls out of the top five, in my mind, is if there's a team, depending on how the lottery shakes up, if there's a team that jumps into the top four that maybe could go with a point guard. Instead, Like I'm trying to sim it right now um, to see if there's... A team that that may happen to give me give me a couple sims because tankathon is being a little weird. But like one I'll throw out there is like the Pelicans. If the Pelicans get the fourth pick, maybe they go with a Kobe White instead of a Cam Reddish. I do love him, but like he's great. Like that's the only question. If a team through the process likes a guy like Brandon Clark, likes a guy like Kobe White better than Cam Reddish, better than Um, the three position and wants to go with something else, that's the only way to me he falls out of the top five. Um, But if we're looking top five right now in a draft situation, Knicks go Zion, Suns go Ja, uh, Cavs go RJ, Bulls I would lean towards Jarrett Culver, and then the Hawks I would go with Cam Reddish. Is there anything else you think we didn't mention when it comes to Jarrett Culver or Cam Reddish. I kind of feel like Jarrett Culver because I feel like we spent a ton of time talking about Cam. Reddish. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you know, good, you know, Jarrett, good guy, good I mean, guy, uh, fan of the show. I'm kidding. Fan of the show. I'm sure he is. But, I just like, but I, I mean, there was Cam's the
1: biggest enigma. There was of the there two. was
0: more to talk about mm-hmm. with Cam Reddish because I think that, and I think it's because he would he was seemed to be so solidified at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season and throughout. He Again, He. I think he got lost in the shuffle of yep. the big three, and he ended up being the third out of the three. And that's where we're at right now with him falling a, a little bit, maybe not a lot, but mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and, and I think people's energy on him has come down mm-hmm. from what it once was. I yeah. know certainly mine was. But I thought this was the most respectable I mean, I've talked about, Cam, in some Yeah,
1: well, I, I know I'm usually on the fast break. It's Sean giving all the... Um, it sounds like hate um, the Cam Reddish way but Sean is just very critical um, of Cam Reddish I hope the best for Cam Reddish um, because I really like him as a player um, and really he was the one out of the three that I was like I was kind of pulling for um, since the start but you gotta love Zion but I mean like between RJ and Cam but this is where you guys come in let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section first off the simple no-brainer question, Who whose side are you on, Culver, Culver, Culver or Reddish? And then what do you think about each? And really when it comes to Cam, what are your thoughts with that whole Pandora's Boxes? What do you think his floor is? Do you think he'll reach his ceiling? Do you think he's a top five? Do you think he's still a top three? Should he fall out of the top five? Let us know what you guys think down below. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're kind of shifting over to the football field as we are officially on draft watch 25 days until the NFL draft as we sit here April 1st. That's why I love Happy fi- April Fools! We are finally in April. It is now NFL draft time. Like, it's been draft time. Like, let's be honest, we've been talking draft, but for the most part, We are now in the final stretch before we get to Nashville on April 26th, and Brandon, the big thing we're going to talk about here is we're going to take a look at all the top five quarterbacks. We've got Kyler Murray, we've got Dwayne Haskins, you've got Drew Locke, you've got Daniel Jones, and we've got Will Greer. Where are these guys going to be drafted? Because nobody knows. Could be the Cardinals, could be the Giants, could be the Dolphins. People could be trading up, people could be trading down. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at each prospect one after another and kind of give our thoughts about what teams could look at him, what kind of the landscape is right now, and then our thoughts of who he gets drafted with. We're going to go right down the rankings, and if you look at and I'm going right down the rankings according to tankathon.com. And for quarterbacks, they've got Kyler Murray listed as the numero uno quarterback on their list. So, Brandon, the first thing I'm going to ask you before like, we get into the prediction because we're going to talk about each guy is what are your thoughts about Murray, his draft stock, and kind of the draft landscape right now with him as we move into the month of April?
0: So I just think it's so interesting because n- truly not too, too long ago. We weren't even counting on Kyler Murray to be in this draft. Well,
1: he was—he was,
0: he was going to be a baseball. Exactly, player. he was going to be a baseball. player. I remember player.
1: Dave told me he's like, "Well, Kyler Murray could go in the first round." I'm like, no way he skips out on baseball. I was wrong, um, but let's be honest—he could be drafted by a team, not play year one, and go, "Hey, I'm going to go back to baseball," because he seemed very non-committal. And
0: baseball would gladly take him back. Yeah,
1: well, the A's would, gra- would gladly take him back.
0: Yeah, I, I you know. And as many of our <laughs> viewers and listeners know i I really mm-hmm. like Kyler Murray. I think he's he's a fun and exciting talent. I think that if he gets paired, certainly if he gets paired with the right coach and don't try and tell me that oh if you're a get paired with the right coach kind of guy in the right system, then you're just a system quarterback. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been saying that about Tom Brady for years. Tom Brady just keeps winning Super Bowls. So he don't care you know I mean it's it's just it's it's one of those things where if you find the right situation you can be extremely successful. It's just mm-hmm. like in any job. You find the right situation, you can be still ex- extremely successful. you in a situation that's crap, even as hard as you try, it's not going to work out. But I look at Kyler Murray, and I think that you pair him up with Cliff Kingsbury, you pair him with an, uh, an offensive guy with an offensive mind, it, it's, it could be something really good. And I understand that Arizona drafted – Josh Rosen last year mm-hmm. and believed that that was going to be their guy at what number 10 and Rosen believed oh I should have been higher this was a guy Josh Rosen that wasn't even sure if he was all that interested in football anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I still will question his is he all in on football you look at the Arizona Cardinals I understand that they were not a great team last year they've tried to update some pieces on defense their offensive line has still not been touched too much, but I think that if you have Kyler Murray on that team, you're going to get a guy who, even if an offensive line's not great, his running ability and his escapability is going to make him a better-suited quarterback for that situation. Mm-hmm. And I just think that he's going to be able to get the ball down the field better than what Josh Rosen was able to do. So, if I'm the Arizona Cardinals... I'm drafting Kyler Murray as number one.
1: Yeah. I am And on, you're not. I'm on the opposite side of you. And the reason why is first off, the Cliff Kingsbury Love, you can't say it's a smokescreen, um, because he basically showed his hand before he even knew he was going to be the Cardinals head coach. Um, but the thing that I think about when it comes to the Cardinals is Quarterback is not your biggest negative. It is not your biggest need. Like, if you draft Kyler Murray at number one, great. Who's he going to throw the fucking ball to? Who's going to block for him? Nobody. I I can tell you the first.
0: I can tell you. I can give you an answer for the first one.
1: Larry Fitzgerald is not enough. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are not enough. For him. Like, yes, he would be getting David Jones sure Dur- because back.
0: Are you sure? Because the the, the Giants were perfectly mm-hmm. fine with saying, Eli, throw it to Odell every time. We'll win. And
1: where are they in the draft?
0: <laughs> I understand. But exactly. What I'm saying is that you, you can be successful with a couple of guys on there. You can also be successful with some guys that don't have to be number one name guys and the, the biggest paid guys.
1: The point I'm making is the Cardinals are in a weird situation of, to me, there's, Obviously, three choices that they have to make. Number one, do you draft Kyler Murray because your head coach loves him and he'd fit that system? That's number one. Number two, do you help your defensive line out, which is a need for this team? That could be Joey Bosa. I Nick, know people Nick. are Nick Bosa. I, I've called him Joey the whole time, and you just got to correct me. Just keep saying that. Um, <laughs> Nick Bosa. I know you've got Chandler Jones there. I know you just signed Terrell Suggs, but let's be honest. you Terrell Suggs is not going to be there forever. He like, signed a
0: one-year contract?
1: Bingo. Um, so Nick Bosa would still get to play and learn under them. Number two, you could go with Quinn and Williams, number one. And that's the second option. Do you go defense, Bosa and Williams? Because right now your defensive tackles are – Darius Pillin and Corey Davis. Yeah, I would take freaking. I know they have Robert Candici on this team too, but like I would take Quentin Williams over either of the two guys that I just listed um, for a defensive tackle. And then there's number three. Do you trade the pick? Do you try to coerce someone who really wants. Do you try to coerce someone who really wants Kyler Murray to try to get a. Yes, you would get a lower pick. But looking at this draft, I look at all the needs that NFL.com has listed for him. Offensive line. If you're still in the top 10, you could probably get Jonah Williams. That would help you out. Wide receiver. DK Metcalf would be there. You could He would help you out. Tight end. Hockinson, apparently on mock drafts, like, Hockinson is rising up into top 10 status. I don't see it personally. Um, I don't see I don't Noah know. Fant or Hawkinson being top ten guys. Well, I don't I don't but know I've how, been wrong
0: before. I don't know how Noah Fant isn't being talked about as the number one guy. That's At, that's the thing it's that's athleticism more
1: athleticism over production. Uh had more of the production. Noah Fant is an athletic guy. I get that kind
0: of Noah Fant had outstanding production, I guess. No, I just don't understand like, where the disconnect is for H- people.
1: Hawkinson had the better stats. Like Noah Fant is good, but stats, production, um Hockinson's were better than Fant. But either way. You could get a tight end later in the draft if you truly wanted to. Don't think you need to get that in the first round. And then quarterback, Greedy Williams could be sitting there if you go. And I'm thinking about teams like the Raiders, the Giants, the Dolphins, the Redskins that are the quarterback needy teams that would be trading up for Kyler Murray. Am I saying they should trade the pick? No. If I am the Cardinals, I stand pat and go, you know what? We have Josh Rosen on this team. Josh Rosen can fit. Kingsbury's situation, I go with Nick Bosa because I am going with a guy that then could be my pass rusher for the future and I can get after other quarterbacks. And if I suck next year and I'm the number one pick next year, then Josh Rosen's out the door because I get to a Tunga Viola. Like, that's what I sit with. So Murray, that's the whole reason why I don't see him going to the Cardinals.
0: So... You know, I I saw it. It was a post the other day. It was it was Adam Adam Schefter and um he had put something. You know I follow him. You know it does all the mm-hmm. tracking of the NFL as I'm sure you do too. I, yep. Well, you don't have an Instagram, but I follow him on, him on Instagram and He's got one a of, Twitter. One of his things was. Nick Bosa and the, the Cardinals were meeting with him, and he said, "You know, they're you know, all, you know a, a, a dynasty, not a dynasty. What, what was it? Maybe a, some sort of, mm-hmm. you know, the fate of team changing, whatever. You know, uh, decision is 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 coming soon, and I'm thinking franchise, you know, altering. The only way that you alter this franchise and make them better, mm-hmm. Nick Bosa is not going to get you." seven wins it's not going to happen Kyler Murray could get you seven wins Ricky you say it all the time yeah Quarterback is the number one most important position on the field. And you say it all. Followed
1: by pass rusher. And you
0: say it all. You've never said followed by pass rusher. I can quote you. You've never said that.
1: I've always said the two most important.
0: You've always said number one is quarterback. number
1: one is quarterback. but You've never followed with a number two. Right behind. And I am now because I've said in the past that the two most important positions in football are a quarterback and somebody who can get after the quarterback. Those are the two things you need in this NFL. And the only thing with the Cardinals that I'm looking at is, could Kyler Murray help you in the long run? Yes. But the thing I also look at is this team is not the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns last year could take a stab at a Baker Mayfield, number one, because they had a second first-round pick to use. They had the Houston first-round pick to use in that first round. So, hey, let's go take a gamble. Let's take the guy that we want because we have another first-round pick in this draft. The Cardinals do not have that. So what I'm saying is if they take Kyler Murray and he doesn't hit and he's not a Baker Mayfield, that is then a mistake. And, of course, this is drafting. Anything in the draft could be a mistake. It's not an exact science. But I look at it and I go, you just drafted a quarterback last year. Josh Rosen was only bad in my mind because he didn't have a real head coach. He didn't have an offensive head coach. He had a head coach that I didn't even think deserved the job when he got it. And you're expecting him to be great with what he was set up with last year? He was set up to fail last year. I
0: wasn't expecting him to be great. I was expecting him to be better than piss poor.
1: Well, And I mean, I, I put more of the blame. I think Josh Rosen was not set up for success in Arizona, and that played a lot into it.
0: I don't think he was mentally tough. I don't think that he was mentally tough, as part of it is all Mm -hmm. a mental game. And you've got to stop, you know, you've got to get outside of your own head. And you've got to just go out there and play the game. And that's not something that Josh Rosen was able to do. And I I just, unless he is taking a hundred foot leap Mm -hmm. from last year to this year, Josh Rosen is not going to be anyone's quarterback of the future. Here, I'm going to... any team. I'm going to
1: read this to you. If you're a quarterback and you were sacked 17 times in under 2.5 seconds, 17 sacks essentially before you can five step with a hitch, are you going to succeed in the NFL?
0: Uh, You know, probably most quarterbacks would not. But I think that's how
1: many times Josh Rosen was sacked in 2.5 seconds. So before he could even step back five, take five steps back, boom, he's getting met by somebody. Like, that's how bad the Cardinals offensive line is. So, like, for me, I don't care if Kyler Murray's back there. Yeah, he can run. Okay, he's going to run and get caught. Like, I don't think we're going to see the same exact Kyler Murray that we saw in college. Look at Lamar Jackson. Did Lamar Jackson have the same type of runs in the NFL that he had in college? No, because the guys are bigger, faster, stronger.
0: Yeah, he was pretty self- pretty phenomenal. He was so.
1: pretty elusive. But what was the whole thing with Lamar Jackson of? He's got to stop relying on his feet and rely on his arm a little bit more. And then when he relied on his arm, oh, crap, that's his weakness. And the Chargers
0: beat him. But see, that, almost but, but see that's down. where Kyler Murray's different. Know that he's probably not but as. we don't know as, that. Prob- we haven't
1: seen him at the next level he's yet. He's
0: probably. He's. But this is different in terms of we knew Lamar Jackson's strength coming into the NFL was going to be mm-hmm. his running ability. He was a passer. He was a good passer in college. Mm-hmm. He was a great runner. We most likely expected him to be a great runner and, and, and rely on that a lot come the NFL and then be a good passer. Kyler Murray was both, I think, a really, a really phenomenal passer and an outstanding runner mm-hmm. so if yes if he runs a little bit too much and then they then they push him to pass if it, I'm taking the example of Lamar. he's going to be more comfortable passing and, and 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 moving the football that way I know that we don't want to make it all about Kyler Murray because there's more quarterbacks yeah. but my final my final comment is the Arizona Cardinals they would be doing themselves a favor by going with Kyler Murray at number one and trading away Josh Rosen to literally anyone.
1: Here's the thing I think, and this is if the Cardinals really want a quarterback. If you want to replace Josh Rosen, if I'm the Cardinals, I'd rather go Nick Bosa at one and take Will Greer with the
0: second round pick. That's what I. Why would, Bosa? Because why Bosa? to me, why not Quinn Williams?
1: Qu- or Quinn and what Quinn,
0: like, uh, Quinn and Nick. Either I, or. I don't understand. Either every, or. Either I, or. See if, 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 if people were talking more Qu- I like, Quinn and Williams, I like the, I, I'd be, I'd be a little bit more. I like the pass on him. I'm not sure. About I Nick say Nick Bosa. Bosa
1: cause I like the pass rush on the end. But if you said Quinn and Williams, I'd say, yeah, sure. Do that also. And if you really want a quarterback, try to get Will Greer right at the beginning of the second round, because I like like Will Greer, you're a big supporter of him. I don't think he's going to be bad. He's just going to need more time to develop when it comes to, since you said Cardinals for Kyler Murray, I'm actually going to segue this into a different team that I think will be a prediction for one of these guys. I don't know who it is for you. It could be none of these guys, but it is for me. I'm going to say Kyler Murray will be an Oakland a fans cover your ears. He's going to be a Raider. He is going to be a Raider because of either one of three ways. Either the Raiders make a trade with the Cardinals, the Cardinals go with somebody else, and then the Raiders trade up to two or three, probably two, to get him. Or he falls all the way to four. That's the unlikely one. And the Raiders take him. I think that there's only two places that Kyler Murray will go. It's either yours or mine. He either goes number one to the Cardinals or he either goes to the Raiders via trade. I don't think he falls to four, because if he gets to three, the Jets are on the phone calling everyone. Jets are like, pick is open. We don't want Kyler Murray. You guys can have him. Somebody will then trade up for him at three. But I think if the Cardinals don't pick him, and that's what I'm thinking, go with Nick Bosa. You're meeting, you met with him. He's going to give you a pass rush off the outside. John Lynch then goes, well, you know what? We could take Quinn and Williams here. But I've traded with teams before that wanted their quarterbacks. And if John Williams or John Lynch, I said John Williams, John Lynch feels like he can trade back and still get his guy, like when he traded with the Bears, oh, expect the Raiders then to trade up or the Giants to trade up or somebody to trade up. I think it's going to be the Raiders. I think Kyler Murray, it's going to be the biggest story too of like he, he left the Oakland A's and now you he's going to the Oakland story Raiders. Lines. And then even worse, he's going to be in Oakland for a year and then he goes to Las Vegas. So Oakland gets to see him for one year and then he's in Las Vegas. But that's the thing I want to segue into. First off, are the Raiders even a team that you think any of these guys will go to? And number two, do you think they will go with a quarterback because of Derek Carr, or could they chief it and say we're still going to take a guy and eventually treat Derek Carr like Alex Smith?
0: I don't think that they're sold on Derek Carr. I really don't. Because they've met with
1: Haskins and Murray.
0: We saw the number of times that Gruden and... Derek Carr were not on the same page Mm -hmm. they were not happy with each other and I understand that that's going to happen throughout a season a head coach and a quarterback are not going to be on the same page with each other and it's okay you can argue you can fight that's fine it's the competitiveness in both of you I'm okay with that but I don't think that Derek Carr is John Gruden's guy And John Gruden has always been known as the quarterback guy, right? Yep. He loves his quarterbacks. And um (laughs) I He also had
1: said at the senior bowl how he likes Kyler Murray.
0: I guess I just think that it's it's when you know a new head coach comes in, he wants to evaluate everyone on his staff, and he'll either keep some, hold some over, or he's gonna get rid of everybody everybody and bringing his own guys. He's looking at the same thing for the rest of the talent. Mm -hmm. Are these guys good? Are we going in a different direction? Do I have to hold and go with them for one year? And in this case, yes, he did. Mm -hmm. But now he's in a position. It's his draft. People can say Mike Mayock's doing it. He's not. It's
1: Gruden. I will say, Mike Mayock is probably helping out more than uh, people might think because John Gruden had a draft last year, and who did he take in the first round? Colton Miller. He took a guy that all of us went, who? Why is he in the first round? What is John Gruden doing? That's why Mike Mayock is here. Yes, it's Ju- Gruden's it's- gra- draft. Gruden's going to do it. But if Gruden has a thought like that, Mayock's going to step in and go, hey, John, let's think about this for a second.
0: <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I think that there's going to be a a. Quarterback going that way mm-hmm. um, to the to the Oakland Raiders because I, I, I I'm not sure who it's going to be at this point just because yeah. we, it, it hasn't happened yet well, in terms of at the top the top three picks before them it hasn't happened so and,
1: and we're kind of predicting that's why I ask if one of these guys is going to be one of yours that it, you picked there
0: it may end up being it may end up being a Dwayne Haskins I want
1: to read this though read some quotes from Mike Mayock because it's funny you say Haskins because. The Raiders are working out both Murray and Haskins, of course, due diligence. You can always say that. Um, But I've got two quotes here from CBS Sports from Mike Mayock. First one is, information is gold, and it always will be. We all know that John Gruden is a quarterback guy. John's going to evaluate every quarterback out there every single year. That's just who he is. Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. I do believe that. We had Drew Locke at the Senior Bowl. He's a potential first-round pick, and we got to work with him for a week. We did our due diligence. We're going to see Kyler Murray, and we're going to see Dwayne Haskins in private workouts. We believe they're high-level quarterbacks, and that's due diligence. You'd better know how the how good these guys are. You'd better know what other teams are interested in and whether or not you can improve uh, improve your own position. That's part of what a head coach and GM do to evaluate every position on your football team. You owe it to your team to do the best job you can to upgrade where you can. But I, but and I said this back at the NFL Combine, I don't think there are very many people who are better than Derek Carr. I read into that as two things. One, we got to say that Derek Carr's our guy. We just, we can't back off. Like um, John Gruden even said, he Derek Carr, he's going to be our quarterback. I'm not going to address all the rumors. I could care less about the rumors. He threw for 4,100 yards, threw for almost 70% completions in a very dire, tough circumstance. Um, so I have a lot of confidence in Carr. Where uh, what he can do, Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams and Trent Brown coming in here will help our offensive line with a better defense. Yeah, I'm excited about. uh, Yeah, I'm excited about Carr. Basically, John Gruden's answer. I just see that as yeah, we're not going to shit talk our guy. We're going to shit talk get Derek Carr. But I think the only quarterback that the Raiders might think about going with is Kyler Murray. That's the only one on the board. That I think, like, Drew Locke was nice. I don't think he's top four pick worthy for the Raiders. I don't think Dwayne Haskins will have Gruden falling in love. I think Kyler Murray could. And if the Cardinals pass on him, the Gruden gears are going to be turning because he's going to be like, oh, that's a Gruden grinder. I need Kyler Murray, man.
0: (laughs) I I don't know with the Raiders. I really don't. I mean, there could... Because they're like the Cardinals. They don't need a quarterback. I would...
1: But it's, it's different because Derek Carr's a, like a, vet, a proven veteran. Josh Rosen is
0: Here's also the thing is that Derek Carr, a couple of, whoa. Maybe we shouldn't play with that. I like to, though, <laughs> very much. It's it's like a fidget spinner, yeah, yeah. except it's not. Dave
1: does the same thing, by the way. Oh, he gosh. plays with the camera thing.
0: Oh, I, I mean. So I, I got to keep it I, away I, with him. I don't blame him. It's like a, a, it's a like fun a, little like toy. Like a
1: toddler with toys. Just, just got to f- keep it away from you.
0: It's a fun little toy. Um, <laughs> very scary when you drop it, though. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr, a couple of years ago, gosh, I think a lot of people, including me, thought, man, this guy is headed for an illustrious Mm -hmm. career. Then he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And then, not necessarily because of the injury, but just things working in Oakland haven't been the same since. And it's not all Derek Carr, but it gets to be the point where, is it time to try something else? Mm -hmm. And Oakland is priming themselves for a new look they've done it they've already done it they've got a new look they're a Mm -hmm. new look team Khalil Mack is gone he's with the Bears they've given themselves a new look Mm -hmm. we actually care again about our team yeah the Oakland Raiders they did that in this offseason they got Antonio Brown they now care about their team again they get Tyrell Williams he's fine they get Trent Brown he's he was good Mm-hmm. I think he's probably well overpaid at this point. But I I look at Derek Carr and I think, are you stale? They're trying to get a makeover. Mm-hmm. Are you part of the makeover team? Or are they going to try and make you over with the new biggest, shiniest toy to put in and play with all the rest of them? Mm-hmm. That's where I kind of think Oakland could very well be going for a quarterback, and that's why I still think that a guy like, even if Kyler Murray's not there, a guy like Dwayne Haskins possibly could still be in play. They won't go with the Drew Locke. They won't go with a Daniel Jones. They won't go with a a, no, a, a uh, Kyler, you know, any of those other guys it's because Kyler or nobody. Well, yeah, because if you go with any of those other three, you're basically getting. Derek Carr, you know, 2 2.0. Not well, to say that they're the same as Derek Carr, but you're getting the same types of things. Well, and you're you're not The thing on, I just want I just want to
1: throw this out there. They do have two picks later on which does They've play got 19 as well. picks
0: in the first draft in the first <laughs> round. Um 19 out of 32. They've not 19 of 32 all the Raiders, but I I guess they they would want to go with that dynamic, mm-hmm. that dynamic player. That's what the Oakland Raiders are trying to get back to. The minute they went with Antonio Brown, Derek Carr, as excited as he probably was that Antonio Brown was coming, do you think maybe a little piece of him was thinking, crap, they're going to continue to try and go with this dynamic yeah. feel? Maybe maybe it wasn't, but mm-hmm. I would I would be worried in the back of my mind, if you're the Oakland Raiders, sitting there with the number four pick, and knowing that you have another pick in the first round, that you have some some... Two picks. You have well, I was not incorrect. Yeah. You have at least another pick yeah, in the yeah, first round. Yeah, two. But you you have the freedom mm-hmm. to go with a, a a guy in the in the fir, with the first uh in the first four picks at number four that is a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fun, a little bit more dynamic. That would be a Kyler Murray, that would be a Dwayne Haskins, possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Oakland will do that, but it would make sense in the, in the way that they are moving with their team.
1: Mm-hmm. And just to, so everyone doesn't think that Brandon was serious, the Raiders don't have 19 picks. They have only three in the first round. They have eight total picks of the seven. The use of hyperbole. Yeah, so they've got a three firsts, a second, a fourth, a fifth and then two seventh-round picks to make their eight. Um, Yeah, for me, I just feel like the way I have it going, Kyler Murray to the Raiders, only because I don't have the Cardinals going with um, Kyler Murray at the top of the draft. Also, you look at it with those two other picks. If you're sitting there going, but Ricky, John Gruden said, we really need a pass rush. We really need one. What's this draft deep in, Brandon? What side of the ball?
0: The defensive side.
1: defensive side. So not only could a guy like maybe Brian Burns be available at that 24 and 27th pick, but also if you really like a guy, they could package one or two of those picks to move up in the first round to grab a pass rusher that they really like. So like the, the Raiders have some capital to move and maybe take a risk on a Kyler Murray because, hey, we've got those picks later on or they could say hey we like drew lock we're going to use our pass rusher here and we're going to use these few picks here to trade up into the middle rounds maybe to get a daniel jones or a drew lock i'm looking at drew lock if they do that because they worked him out but yeah i just asked you about the raiders mainly because i'm going to say kyler murray that's who i'm predicting him to go with so you, are you saying Haskins is the one you're predict Like, are you putting the Raiders as your prediction for Dwayne Haskins? Is that what you were saying? Or are you kind of uncommittal about that and just want to talk about Haskins?
0: I'm uncommittal. I, okay. I, I'm i uncommittal. Outside of number one, I'm mm-hmm. uncommittal. Um, I don't have to make a mock draft, so I choose yeah. not to. Um, I, but, I
1: but hopefully you're going to be a part of our live mock draft, so you'll have some teams I, that you're drafting.
0: I do <laughs> hope that I will be able to. Um, my... Thought, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation that we had. What was it? Was it a week ago? Two weeks ago? Where you had me thinking about uh, a team moving up to Last number week. three. It was about lock and and lock. And I I I wonder. And I'm playing around with that idea mm-hmm. still in my mind. But I'm playing around more with, and I don't think that they would probably do it. Can I guess? Is
1: it the Dolphins?
0: No, the Redskins. The the Redskins was the one it was the okay. team you had me thinking about uh, last week. It's the Broncos, okay. and the reason why I say that I don't know if they do it is because they have Joe Flacco. They have their mm-hmm. placeholder for this year, but so do supposedly the Redskins, and so do supposedly the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. How committed are they on those placeholders? Because we all know they're placeholders. Joe
1: Flacco's got three years left on his deal. Yeah, but until... Joe Flacco. No, I know. I'm just saying, like... You know. And that's the Joe difference. Joe Flacco where... got
0: replaced by a guy who's a better runner than a passer. Yeah. I mean, come on!
1: Where... I'm going to take a look. I know Case Keenum is done after this year, so the Redskins are in dire need afterwards. Yeah. Two,
0: two years for Two um, years for Fitzy, three years for
1: Flacco, one year for Keenum.
0: I really could see the Washington Redskins jumping up uh-huh. into the the top part of that draft to get grab a quarterback this year because uh-huh. if they're in the same spot, if they're mediocre yeah. again next year and they're in that spot again of uh-huh. 10 to 15, 12 to 15, they're not getting Tua. Uh-huh. They're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Uh-huh. They're not even in on the discussion with those guys. hmm uh-huh. Why not try and go and get one of those solid quarterbacks that 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 is there yeah. this year, and they're and they're going to be available, especially when so many teams are looking defense, defense, defense. I mean, Washington needs a makeover with everything, mm-hmm. but why not go and get that that quarterback right now? So when we were talking about that last week, you really had me thinking about it. Well, I've been thinking and, about it a little bit, and I think that makes
1: sense. And that's why I feel like I'm going to change my mind a little bit. Cardinals go with Nick Bosa. Niners stay put. They say hey. They don't go with anybody. We could trade. They're like, we're going to go with Quinn and Williams. Like, that's who we're going to go with. We need a defensive guy. But then the Jets get there. I wonder if we see a similar trade to what we saw when the Bears took Mitch Trubisky. Where the Raiders look at it and go, Hey, John, you really like Kyler? Let's try to make a deal with the Jets. And I could see the Jets, even if the Raiders are like, well, the Jets aren't going to go quarterback. Why would we trade with them? I could see the Jets trying to play the Raiders in the sense of, hey, we got other teams calling. We got the Giants, the Dolphins, the Redskins. They're on the line. Either you move up and trade with us or Kyler Murray's not going to be here. And that's why I could see the Jets and Raiders possibly making a deal. The Jets. Pick, though, I do believe on draft night is going to be traded. They will not be picking at number three because I feel like even if Kyler Murray goes one, somebody's going to trade up for Locker Haskins. And if Kyler Murray's there, if all the quarterbacks are there at three, there's no way in hell the Jets are making that pick at three. They would be stupid to make that pick at three because of the draft capital they could add for this draft And next year's draft as well, just based off how many quarterback-needy teams there are. So that's why with that pick, I don't know who's going to trade for it. Somebody's going to. Somebody is going to trade for that pick. But which prospect, because we're going to predict all of them, which prospect do you want to hit next for a prediction? Kind of thoughts of where they could go and then a prediction, either Haskins or Locke. Do you want to go Haskins because we paired him and Murray together? Or do you want to talk about Drew Locke?
0: Let's talk about Drew Locke.
1: What do you think about like where do you think I know we talked about him last week? What are your thoughts on Drew Locke? Where could he be going?
0: Yeah, the wild card, right? So <laughs> you, you pick the Joker card. Here's here's the here's the thing. Is, mm-hmm. is it here's an here's another team though that jumps out of is it time for us to get a makeover and, and mm-hmm. do something different at quarterback? And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. And I understand they've got Andy Dalton, blah, blah, blah. But how long are they going to continue to not win with Andy Dalton, especially in a division that I don't want to say it's up for grabs, but I mm-hmm. want to say it just became a whole lot more open in terms of, yeah, everyone now thinks the the Browns are going to go out there for it and win it. Mm-hmm. People are no longer high on Pittsburgh. Uh, you've got – You've got uh, the Baltimore Ravens that are, that are there that have done some things here in the offseason. People think their defense, they've lost so much. The Cincinnati Bengals, how much longer are they going to continue to beat? blah? They've got a great running back in Joe Mixon. They've got a great wide receiver in A.J. Green. They've got a great wide receiver in Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. Is it time to go for that quarterback? to actually get them over the hump, to make them a playoff team. The Cincinnati Bengals could surprise. I know in some mock drafts they've got Jonah Williams, the offensive uh, offensive tackle from Alabama, going to him. But could they surprise? Could they jump up or even at 11, not even jump up, but at 11, take Drew Locke?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Bengals have been a weird one for me because I haven't bought it. Like, you're not the first one to throw it out there. There's a couple people that have had that thought of, like, is Andy Dalton the future in Cincy? I just haven't, like, there's been no teeth to that for me. It's like just biting with your gums. And I I don't feel like the Bengals are going to make a move. I feel like if there's a prospect the Bengals should go with in the first round, it's Devin White, the linebacker out of... LSU, like he's the guy that I really want the Bengals to go with. For me, Drew Lock is an interesting one because I think that for me, there's only two teams I see him going to, and that's the the Dolphins or the Redskins. And the reason why I'm going to say the Redskins is because so he's meeting with the Giants. The Giants are a possibility. I already have a different quarterback that I'm going to predict. Um, that the Giants go with. Drew Locke, to me, I don't really, like off the top of my head, I don't have a for-sure team like, yes, that is where he is going to go because the Giants, they're going to go with a different guy. They're not going to go with the guy that many think. So I'll say this. They're not going to go with Dwayne Haskins. So where does that put Dwayne Haskins? Where does that put Drew Locke? And that's where I think we're going to see a little bit of a shuffle. Does a team like the Broncos get into the discussion? Does a team like the Dolphins move up? Does a team like the Redskins? And I honestly think that Drew Locke, I'm going to say the Redskins because he's going to meet with the Redskins. I feel like the Redskins are going to try to move up for a quarterback. If it's right, I will go. Drew Locke goes to Washington, although I'm very unsure about where he goes because I feel he could be one that fluctuates depending on if a team wants to move up for him or kind of wait and see if he falls to them at thirteen. I actually want to jump to a guy. Because do you have anything else to say on Drew Lock?
0: I, I are think- you si-
1: are you locking in the Bengals for your prediction? <sighs> Yeah, you don't know. You're you're like me. You're not. You're you know not what? I'm gonna, in. You know what? I'm gonna say uh, no Drew one's lock no one's
0: locked in. No one's gonna. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, no one's gonna agree with me. But I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna lock in the Bengals for okay. fun. I'm gonna so, lock in the Bengals for fun for Drew Locke. Kyler
1: Murray, you've got Cardinals. I've got Raiders. Drew Locke, you've got Bengals. I've got Redskins. I want to skip Haskins. I want to push that can down the road for a bit. Daniel Jones. I'm gonna shock you. You ready for it? Sure. He's going 17th overall the Giants. The Giants are going to take a pass rusher at six. They will take Daniel Jones at 17. That's what I think is going to happen. I think that the Giants, yeah, they they've met with Haskins. Yeah, they're meeting with Locke. Depending on how those meetings go, I think the Giants either one of two things happen. They take a Haskins or Locke at six. Or, depending on if a team trades above them, whether if quarterbacks go like crazy before them, I really do think I'm starting to see, although Mark and I talked about it and I said I wouldn't go with that, after seeing the Giants and kind of looking what's going on draft-wise, I kind of have a feeling that the Giants will be that team to go, Hey, you know what? Quarterback is a need of ours, but we've got several other needs. They need defensive line help. They need cornerback help. They need wide receiver. They need offensive line. They go with one of those at six, and then at 17, try to get a Daniel Jones, and that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback that goes to the Giants, and he is the 17th overall pick, the one that they got from the Cleveland Browns.
0: And I'm going to say that Daniel Jones goes 32nd to the New England Patriots.
1: So you think he's going to go bottom of the first he's round? He's going to go bottom of the okay. first
0: round. I don't I don't see Daniel Jones as that g- There's not one thing that you look at Daniel mm. Jones and he goes, wow, he is just phenomenal at this. Mm-hmm. He is okay in all these things. Well, to He's me, really good he's, at short passes. He, it's so pu- is Eli Manning. Yeah,
1: it's pushing the ball down the field that Daniel Jones has a little bit of accuracy issues.
0: I, I think he goes to the Patriots. Um, he becomes Tom Brady's replacement who retired today by the way <laughs> April, April Fools, fools. Uh, but he did he came out he he got a Twitter this was Tom Brady's oh, first Twitter did seriously and say this, that? Was his, uh, this was this was this is his first time on Twitter he tweets and he says that basically along the lines of he's gonna have all this free time on his hands mm-hmm. now he's just gonna start tweeting and then of course it was April Fools and yeah. he was joking so um but he, he's that clever actually, on that, social media, that, especially that, with his Instagram stuff. That actually did happen. But um, I'm going to say Daniel Jones to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If there's anyone who could work with them, it would be Bill Belichick and that squad uh Daniel Jones in this whole group of quarterbacks is always underwhelmed me. He's never been someone I really mm-hmm. wanted to talk about because he he just wasn't exciting to mm-hmm. me. As the other guys I think they all bring something. They either have phenomenal, you know, arm strength to really work it down the field mm-hmm. or, you know, great poise and athleticism and and vision and accuracy and, you know, escapability and all this. Daniel Jones is yeah. eh to me. Yes. Yeah. Um but that's why I think 32nd to the Patriots would s- seems uh, understandable.
1: Quick aside: What do you think is a better option? If you are Bill Belichick, what is the option you go with? You got to pick either or. You draft Daniel Jones at thirty-two. You trade for Josh Rosen. Which one are you doing?
0: Well, since the uh, the Cardinals are going to be trading away Josh Rosen, I'm just saying, like, which one would you rather do? Draft
1: Jones or trade trade for Rosen?
0: You know what? I'm going to trade for Rosen. Because I while do I too. don't like him, I think that if there's anyone to save him, mm-hmm. it would be Bill Belichick.
1: And that's why for me, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it right now. I mean, I'm not gonna lock this in as a prediction, but Will Greer, if he did go to the Cardinals, I could see that being kind of I I don't know if that's Rosen's asking price, but because the Patriots and Cardinals are right there at thirty-two thirty-three I could see the Cardinals being like, "Hey, if we're giving you Rosen, let's just flip those picks just so we can draft Greer in that first round and get that fifth-year player option on him, kind of like how Baltimore wanted Lamar in that first round." So you're saying so they can get that out? Where was
0: Will Greer going? Are you saying?
1: I'm saying if if he went to the Cardinals, like you know, I threw if out earlier. Kyler went
0: to the Cardinals. No, no,
1: no. I'm saying remember how I threw remember how I threw out earlier that. If they really wanted a quarterback, they can go Nick Bosa at one and then take um, Will Greer with the first pick of the second round. Remember when Uh, I threw that hypothetical out? I said if you're going to do that, what you could also do if you're the Cardinals is say to the Patriots, hey, we will trade you Josh Rosen, but we want to flip the 32 and the 33. So if they took a Will Greer at 32, then they're getting that 50-year player option on Greer because they selected him in the first round. Not the second round. Just wanted to throw that out there if that's a possible trade. Um, so we've got Murray we locked down, lock we've locked a locked down. Uh Jones, we've locked in. Is yours might be easier than mine. Is Dwayne Haskins an easy lock for the Giants for you at e- six?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say Dwayne Haskins to the Giants.
1: Yeah, for me it's hard because because I'm because I locked in Jones at seventeen for the Giants. I don't know where Haskins then would go. Like, Haskins and Locke are kind of then confusing to me because the Broncos could go quarterback, the Dolphins could go quarterback, the Redskins. Because I'm locking Drew in with Washington, because I have Jones going to the Giants, I'm going to say Dwayne Haskins goes to Miami, and Miami is actually going to trade up for him. Don't know who they're going to trade up with. I don't think he'll fall to thirteen. I think he gets traded. I think Miami is going to go with uh, Dwayne Haskins. So, Murray, you've got Cardinals. I've got Raiders. Um, Dwayne Haskins, you've got the Giants. I've got the Dolphins. Drew Locke, you've got the Bengals. I've got the Redskins. And then Daniel Jones, you've got the Patriots. I've got the Giants. Last but not least, the guy that I think is going in the second round, Will Greer, what do you think of him? Where is he going?
0: So you already have him first pick, second round of the Cardinals?
1: No, no. I, I didn't lock that in. I was just, that's a hypothetical. <laughs> not locking
0: it in. It's not locked in. It's not locked in.
1: That is a hypothetical.
0: So I am going to go with Will Greer at, I'm not going to say at a spot, but I'm going to say that Will Greer is going to go to the Dolphins. You think so? I do. Do I, they
1: trade? I know you said not a spot, but... Would they have to trade up then? Because they're all the way at no, forty eight.
0: No, they probably okay. they they probably wouldn't have to. Um, I I think that the I think the Dolphins will get him. I thought about the Redskins, but the Redskins just have,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the Redskins got no one to throw to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's that's the the big problem yeah. is that their their best probably wide receiver, uh, went away and. Uh where where did he go to the Jets? Mm-hmm. Um why can't I think of his name right now? Small guy, speedster, slot guy.
1: I'll look it up. You you go with your thought. Name? Okay, so for the Do- for the
0: Dolphins though. Uh, they 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 they, they want to the Dolphins want to play this whole Crowder. Yes, Jameson Crowder. Thank you. Yep, he went to the Jets. Um I uh, uh I I think that with the Dolphins, they too are a little sore in terms mm-hmm. of wide receivers and anyone who can catch the football, but they want to play this whole, oh, we're waiting until next year, we're waiting until next year. I know they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick to try and bridge the gap. I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. I don't think they're going to wait, not bridge the gap, but I I don't think that they're going to be able to wait. It goes back to the conversation we had a week ago when we talked about Fitzpatrick may actually give them too many wins to be in a really good spot to go after one of the top quarterbacks next year, and then it's one of those, are we giving away everything to get a number 1 or number 2 pick? And do we want to do that? Do we want to fleece ourselves to to get that number one guy or number two guy, number two quarter one or two quarterback? I think that the Dolphins they need somebody. They need their future this year, and they can do that by going and drafting Will Greer.
1: I got a question for you. Sure. Only because Will, like, based off of where I've locked people in. I don't know where Will Greer to go. Um, I'm going to ask you this question because this is a team I'm thinking about. How do you feel Will Greer fits with the offensive system? Of course, it's not going to be Vic that does the offense. It's going to be um, Scandarello, who does, I hope I said his last name right, Rich Scandarello, who does the offense for the Broncos. Could the Broncos be a good fit for Will Greer? Wouldn't have to start right away. They could let Joe Flacco be the guy while Will Greer kind of sits and learns and progresses. And could he be a guy that maybe takes two to three years, which fits the timeline because you could then give Joe Flacco the length of his contract to do what he's going to do. Joe
0: Flacco's not playing out that contract, but he's not. It
1: goes back to my original question. Is Will Greer the guy to fit the offense that Vic Fangio and company are going to be building with the Denver Broncos?
0: Well, they haven't told me yet, uh, personally, what they're looking at for their offensive scheme. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be based a lot on the run, Mm -hmm. um, because right now, that's their strong suit. They've got a lot of young wide receivers that I think are going to be good and Mm -hmm. have shown some promise. But also last year, it was a really hard year for Denver. Case Keenum could not get anyone the football. He struggled. He was not the same guy and quarterback that uh, you and your wonderful Vikings saw a year mm-hmm. before that uh, that took them so close to the Super Bowl. That wasn't him. Mm-hmm. He was not the same guy last year and it was really a shame because I was rooting for Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. But with Philip Lindsay as the running back, a guy who I think can really carry the team for the Denver Broncos did for Anything that was good for Denver, it was probably Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, they've got some wide receiver, a good, strong, I think, solid core of young wide receivers. Um, uh, is it Deshaun Hamilton? That's one of them. Cortland Sutton is another one. They they've got some good guys there, and there's some guys who I think can get down the field. They've got Emmanuel Sanders as the veteran that's there leading the group they need a guy who can get the ball down the field Mm -hmm. case keenum struggled to be able to do that a guy like will greer he's got a strong arm he did it all the time at west virginia Mm -hmm. he will be able to work the ball down the field that is something i think that denver will be looking at a quarterback that can do that will greer can uh i know there's obviously a number of Quarterbacks that you people would say, well, they can all go downfield, except for Daniel Jones. Yeah, um, but that I think that he would be a guy who could fit the system. But again, it's what's Denver looking for. Mm-hmm. They're going to be, I think, more of a a run system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, heavier run. Be that's yeah. and that's certainly where their strength is right now. But we'll we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how long Joe Flacco's going to stay there. You said that he's got three years left. I'm telling you, he's not playing out all I, three of those years. I would be
1: surprised if he got to the end of that contract as a starter of the Broncos. He's not. I'm going to say this. I've changed my mind while you were talking. Okay. And that's because either one of two things is going to happen. Either Will Greer, originally I was thinking top of the second round, he could possibly fall. To like bottom second round. And there's two teams I'm thinking about now Patriots and Saints. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to say the Patriots pick up Will Greer. If it's something crazy, they pick him up with the 32 pick to get that 50 year option on him. I don't think they do that because that's not a Bill Belichick thing. But they have two picks in the second round they have the Bear pick at 56, they've got their own pick at 64. The Saints are right there at 62, so I think if he goes to the Patriots, it'll be with that Bear pick at 56. That's where I'm going to lock in Will Greer. So Will Greer will be a New England Patriot, and we'll see if he then becomes the heir apparent to Tom Brady because so far every quarterback that the Patriots have drafted, Tom Brady has outlived them all um, and kind of is like, ha, 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 joke's on you, I'm still here. Um, Any final thoughts you have on these quarterbacks? Which, I'll tell you right now, if you're mad where we put these guys, we're not going to be right come draft I
0: was just going to say, we have actually (laughs) no idea where these guys are going to go. Watch,
1: people are going to get mad at me because I'm going to do my mock draft and think something totally different and not have one of these quarterbacks in the spot I said tonight. Um, Yeah, so I'm prepared for that to happen as well. Um, Because I've got this mock draft and my seven-round mock draft to do um, for the channel as well. So that should be fun. Um, This is just like these quarterbacks are all, it's going to be crazy to see where they go. Um, Because even though it might not be as strong of a quarterback class that we thought we had last year, there are quarterback needy teams and quarterbacks are like cream. The cream always like Randy Savage said, Oh, mean Jean, the cream always rises to the top. Mean Jean. That's what happens with quarterbacks. When quarterbacks, we get to the draft. If there's enough of them, like dough, they're just going to rise to the top of the draft and they usually go higher than they probably should in some situations. Any final thoughts on these quarterbacks before we move on?
0: No, but I can't believe that we are less than a month away now until the draft. It's very exciting.
1: As we're recording this April 1st, we are 25 days away from the NFL draft. This is where you guys come in. Let's know what you think down below in that comment section. Where do you see these quarterbacks going? How stupid are we? Um, How do you disagree or agree um, with our placement of these quarterbacks? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But Brandon, let's go back to the NBA side of things. And we are taking a look at another two prospects, pitting them together. And kind of deciding maybe which one we would like. And this is a bunch of second-rounders, I'm going to say. Cassius Winston, Michigan State, they're going on to the Final Four after knocking off the Duke Blue Devils this past weekend. And then who should also be in the Final Four um, as Virginia escaped their game. He put up 42 in a loss. The first overtime loss for Purdue all season, Carson Edwards. So just like we did for the... Uh, Culver Reddish, I completely blanked on the prospects we talked about earlier. We're going to do the same thing here, but before we get into that, make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. really means the world to us for that five-star rating, and it helps us get into the ears of more people. But, Brandon, let's start off. Whoever you would like to start with, Carson Edwards, Cassius Winston, I'm going to let you take the floor. Who would you like to start talking about first for this kind of Winston versus Edwards segment.
0: Well, I'd love to start talking about the guy who I thought played the best in this tournament and that's for uh Carson Edwards. Okay. I mean, he's just he as we as we know, um Matt that's has Exactly
1: what Matt said. Matt so. has
0: come on a number mm-hmm. of times and he has said that and I was and I was texting with Matt um in the first Was it the first game? It was a game game against Villanova where he scored 42 the first time. And I said, oh, my gosh, this kid is crazy. And he said, this is the Carson Edwards that we can see, but that we don't see enough.
1: He said that on the podcast. It's which Carson Edwards are we going to see? And we saw the 42-point Carson Edwards in, what, two of the four games that they played? And the just phenomenal stat was he is the first player – to have four 25-point games in the tournament, four straight 25-point games in the tournament since Steph Curry did it in 2008.
0: I mean, you just look at this guy, and without him, without his awesome three-point shooting, Mm -hmm. 9 of 16 against Villanova, not as good against Tennessee, went 5 of 14, and then 10 of 19 against Virginia. Purdue's not in these games. Mm -hmm. Because of Carson Edwards, he put them either into the game or soared them way past their opponent. Also, his ability to drive to the hoop. How many times, Ricky, obviously his three-point shooting was phenomenal, but how many times have we seen Carson Edwards just take it then coast to coast and just Mm -hmm. go all the way, drive all the way down the lane, know he's going to get hit. And roll it right in, count it in a foul, or even if it wasn't a foul, going the other way, two points for Purdue mm-hmm. and getting back on defense. He's just a, he's a phenomenal athlete mm-hmm. and he's a phenomenal player.
1: No, for me, the thing with Carson Edwards, and I said this firmly. I got to look it up on Twitter and give credit to um, the person who tweeted at us. But we got a tweet about Carson Edwards. Over the weekend, I say we because it was MVP also. Oh, it was Mike 2K. Um, Mike 2K said, How high did Carson Edwards stock rise for you guys tonight? This was after the um, Virginia game on the 30th. I understand he might be a tad too small, but man, can he put the ball in the bucket? He looks like a Shabazz Napier type of guy to make me or a Trey Burke. Could be a six man and my response was i'd say he played himself into the second round this march um and then mike 2k came back with after tonight i could see the warriors or rockets at the end of the first um honestly but like my thought is carson edwards with this tournament solidified himself in my mind as a for sure second round pick like there might have been some people before march saying like well you know carson edwards could be a second round guy but he's way too inconsistent. I don't know if I'd want my team um, spending a second-round pick on him. But from what we have seen in March from Carson Edwards, I think, and I'm going to put this, and Mike Two K is 100% correct with his six-man comment, because the pro cop that I'm going to kind of work towards for this is kind of a Lou Williams. Lou Williams of the Clippers, where— I know Lou Will has been in the league a lot and wasn't exactly what he was now coming out of college, but a smaller guy, Lou Will, one, about 170, Carson Edwards, foot, 195, and that's what Lou Will is, a guy who comes off the bench for the Clippers, and he's got one goal put the ball in the bucket, and he's had some phenomenal shots, some phenomenal buzzer beaters, and I could see Carson Edwards being the same team for a team at his floor. His floor to me is Lou Will, a six-man who can come off the bench, put the ball in the bucket, and give you points off of your bench, being that first guy off of it to relieve a starter.
0: And he just brings a lot of energy. He brings a lot of energy to the floor, and he plays and with passion. It pa- passion, and there's just an excitement around his game. Plays with That's passion, fun.
1: but he doesn't foul. He only averaged two fouls. He's not per out of game. control. Exactly, he's not out of control. Like, passion. The turnovers. He's three? not Draymond
0: Green. I'm mad at you. I'm kicking you in the balls exactly. now. Getting teed up. Passion.
1: Exactly. Like he's not going to be a guy that racks up assist numbers. He's not going to be no. a guy that rebounds the ball. He's going to be a guy that has one goal. I'm going to put the ball in the bucket. And that's why I think he'd be a quality six man for a team at the next level, because he is a phenomenal scorer and has the shooting ability. Like that 10 of 19 from three. I saw that. And I was like, first off, I know the NBA three is deeper than the college three. He taken them deep. Well, and my, my first thought was, is this what I can expect? I'm not expecting 10 of 19 every night. But is this the percentage I am looking at as over the year from Carson Edwards, that forty to fifty, or am I gonna see what he averaged per game this year, which was thirty-five percent from three? Which average am I gonna see from Carson Edwards from three? That's maybe somewhere one. in the middle. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like somewhere in the four, middle. If if we're sitting around thirty eight to forty percent, that would be a little bit better than the thirty five. Like he averaged about 3.8 made threes to an average of 10.6 taken threes. So he's taking them. He just wasn't making a ton of them.
0: I mean, you look at Carson Edwards, and for the purpose of this comment, and mm-hmm. Ryan Klein. Yeah. And look at where they were taking some of those threes from. Mm-hmm. I mean, downtown. They weren't taking James them. James Brown. Right. Yes. Yes. They weren't taking them right there, right by the line. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're pulling up, step back, boom knocking it right down, defender in their face, and it's confidence. It's confidence for Carson Edwards, too. Mm -hmm. He's a confident player. He plays, like you said, passion. He also plays with a chip on his shoulders and confidence. And that's what makes him so, I I think, for Purdue, that's what made him so elite. That's Mm -hmm. what made him an elite player on that team because he got hot, he he was playing with passion, but he was playing with confidence. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't rattled. He wasn't rattled. It was It was really, he uh, was fun to watch in this tournament. He's been fun to watch for Purdue fans for, uh, as long as I can remember, you know, it, it seems like these last couple of years now, it's just been the Carson Edwards show mm-hmm. for, for the Purdue Boilermakers, and they're going to miss him for sure, because he's a special guy, a special mm-hmm. talent, but... That's what you're taking to the NBA. And I also don't believe that it's going to be one of those guys where, man, we heard so much about him in college. He you know, is setting all these records in the tournament. He gets to the NBA and fizzles out. I don't think that's going to be him. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right. He, He's someone who, coming off the bench, is going to provide a great spark for a team. And again, passion, confidence, and excitement.
1: What about Cassius Winston in your mind? Because to me, the thing that I wonder with Cassius is so at the next level NBA, if you were going to be that Carson Edwards type that I said that six man scorer off the bench that to me is like a perfect what you want as a six man, somebody who's going to be a scorer off the bench not saying Cassius can't score, he did average 18 a night in college this year, but he to me is more of a guy who He's not going to go just get points for himself.
0: No, He's going to
1: distribute the ball as well. Could he be a guy that teams look at as a second-round prospect and say, hey, he's not going to be the type of scorer that maybe Carson Edwards is. He's going to be a little bit more of a facilitator. Could teams still want that as a six-man second-round pick even though he's more of a facilitator than just a pure scorer.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, there was a reason why he was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. It's because he does a whole lot, and it's not just scoring. Yeah. Michigan State wouldn't be the team that they were without him feeding the ball to a number of their big men or their three-point shooters. It's his leadership, too. That's that's another thing mm-hmm. that Cassius Winston brings to his team and, and to whatever he's doing It's leadership. Mm -hmm. This guy, again, too, like Carson Edwards, has confidence out there on the floor. And he has, I think, great court presence and Mm -hmm. great floor awareness. And he understands where guys are and where they're going to be. Backdoor cuts, working the ball into them, being able to be in sync with his players. That's why he's gotten so many assists. That's why he's been able to really run this Michigan State offense and why You get a guy like him coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. He's going to be able to feed it into the guys who are going to be your primary scorers, but he also can score. He's a guy who's shown that he can score, and he can score from three. He's got a good pull-up jumper mid-range. He's a fun guy to watch.
1: And the question, I'm just going to look it up really quick. Here's the question I want to ask you, though, and we're kind of jumping the gun with Cassius a little bit here. I think maybe Edwards, too yeah we're jumping the gun with these guys too. I want to ask you this question starting with Winston then you can ask the same thing um or ask answer the same thing with Edwards is there a chance that they stay because both of them three year guys do they stay for their senior
0: season so with cassius winston if for some if they win the national championship he is not staying mm-hmm. if they don't win the national championship he might be uh, you know, talking to a, a former Michigan State uh, teammate mm-hmm. um, in in, in Bridges, Bridges and saying, hey, you know, uh, you uh, stayed. How did how did it work out
1: mm-hmm.
0: type of deal? Carson Edwards, again, and talking with Matt. Yeah. Doesn't sound like he's going to be back. That this is like th- this sounds like this was this was it. For Carson Edwards, well, that he was he was going to be moving on. Because also the
1: thing you got to play into as well with these guys is, like I bring up Daniel Gafford, I bring up Jonte Porter. Where last year two guys their draft stock was where it was, and they said I'm going to come back because maybe I can inch myself up a little bit. I can improve that stock. For either of these guys, Winston I see as a guy that, if he comes back, could possibly up his stock a little bit. And By up his stock, I mean could play himself into— because right now, if you look at Tankathon and you look at the point guards for their big board, you've got the guys in the first round, like John Morant, Darius Garland, Kobe White, Trey Jones, um, Shamori Pons— and then Ty Jerome is right there at the end. But then the second-round guys, Marcus Howard, Carson Edwards. They don't even have um, Cassius Winston listed for their top full two rounds of a big board. That, to me, is why with Cassius, I wouldn't be surprised even if they won the— national. Like, if he wins the national championship, I agree with you. I could see him leaving because it's like, well, what else do I have— Like, what else do I have to do in college? Like, I've hit the pinnacle and I've won the national championship unless he wants to try to win two in a row, which is really hard to do. But I feel like Cassius could be a guy where, hey, if I stay, let's say they don't win the national championship, I'm going to stay, I can up my draft stock a little bit because – I know each draft class is different. Don't know what point guards he's going to have to go up against later on, but like there won't be a Marcus Howard. There won't be a Carson Edwards. There won't be a Shamori Pons at that point in the draft. There won't be a Ty Jerome because these guys go on to the NBA that he might be able to play his draft stock up to where he is a for sure second round pick next year. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes, where, Carson Edwards it kind of seems like in my mind I'll ask you that his stock is pretty much it's solidified. A, a, his this stock is the highest he's Carson coming.
0: Edwards his stock is at the highest that it possibly mm-hmm. could be. Like he couldn't if come he, back
1: and he even could come, if he was more consistent wouldn't the, be. High the only on.
0: way that he, that would thing that would happen with Carson Edwards mm-hmm. in my mind is that he comes back and he takes a step back.
1: And then people go, "Ooh, good thing we didn't. Like good thing he didn't come out cuz we were going to draft him."
0: I'm not saying that he would, yeah, but he's at the peak. Right now, there's more to at the, hurt than... people. People are talking about him. Yep. People are thinking, "Oh, could he be rising? Mm-hmm. Could he be rising in these drafts?" Well, it's like, you know, not not look to at,
1: look at Mike Two K. He said, "End of the first round," that he was thinking that he wouldn't be surprised if a team at the end of the first round took Carson Edwards. That's kind of where the hype is right now with him.
0: Absolutely. So I think that Cassius Winston has more of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Again, in my mind, if they win the national championship, he's saying this was great. Uh, You know, Coach Izzo, this was outstanding. I loved it. I did what we, I I was part of a team that accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. I'm heading out. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, if they get so close and they lose to Texas Tech or they lose to Virginia or to to, uh, Auburn, Mm -hmm. I think that he's saying, I was this close. I was this close. I got one more year left. We can do this. Yeah. I'm coming back one more year, and I'm going to try and see if I can raise up my stock a little bit more Mm -hmm. from what I did this year. That's just my thought. That's my initial thought.
1: I want to tag one conversation at the end of this one because I know I told you I didn't ask you this in the Culver Reddish because Reddish is his teammate. But I'm going to kind of tag this in at the end um, to the Winston Edwards discussion because we're talking about staying or leaving in your mind, what is Trey Jones going to do? Is he going to be at Duke next year, or is he going to go to the NBA draft?
0: I think he's going to be at Duke. Okay, I think he's going to be at Duke. He was so heartbroken, just in that, over, ga- in that game on Sunday. He was so heartbroken, and honestly, I understand that they that they talked with. RJ and Cam you know after the game and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think Zion I didn't see that one but I saw I mm-hmm. think it was RJ and, and Cam that were they're talking there they're upset they're bummed they're going to the NBA Yeah, especially like Zion I think that I think he's going to have a more illustrious college career than he's going to see in the NBA mm-hmm. and I think that he wants to keep that alive if he can I think he'll be back
1: Well, the thing I'm going to look up really quick is – give me a second. Forgot to put in college for there because he's an NBA player now. Um, But I would almost look at his brother, Tyus Jones, because Tyus was the guy where only one year at Duke, that was a Duke team – let me see who exactly was on that roster. So, yeah, that was the Jaleel Okafor. So, like, Jaleel Okafor, um, Justin Winslow, Grayson Allen. That was Allen's freshman year when he had that amazing championship game. And it was kind of like, here I am to play for Duke. And that's where Grayson Allen became a household name. Marshall Plumlee was on that team. Semi Semmy um, O'Jelie, J- Og- I think that's how you say it, um, was on that team. NBA guys now. At this point, Quinn Cook, as well, was the older guy on that team. I kind of almost wonder if Trey is going talk to talk to his brother Tyus a little bit. Because Tyus is a guy that left. He got drafted at the end of the first round. 24th pick. Hey, guess what? If I look at Tankathon, where's Trey Jones going right now? 23rd in their mock draft. In ours, I had him as high as maybe 17 to the Boston Celtics. Um, But I wonder if he's going to talk to his brother, Tyus, and say, hey, what do you think? What happened to you? Like, you came out after one year at Duke after being the guy. Like, he wasn't the number one guy. It was Julio Okafor was the number one. Justice Winslow was the second scorer. And then Grayson Allen had the championship game that took him by storm. Um But I'll say the four years that Tyus has been in the NBA hasn't been a phenomenal NBA career. Like, the most points he scored was this season. He's had six points per game. You mean Trey? This year. No, Tyus. I'm talking his NBA stats.
0: Oh, 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 oh. I'm I'm losing it. Yeah,
1: so Tyus in the NBA has not had a lustrous so far NBA career. Yes, he's in Minnesota. I understand that. But, like, I wonder if Trey asked Tyus... And maybe that plays into it. Where maybe Tyus goes, hey, you know what? If your heart's set on going back to Duke, you can go back to Duke. Like there is nothing wrong with going back.
0: So here's here's also my question though. Mm-hmm. You're you're one of my, you know, my NBA guys. Yeah. How successful is Trey Jones gonna be able to be at the next level? Depends when on where he... he goes. That's the question. Hold on though. Yeah. When he can't score the basketball efficiently. And now I understand that he did have a good game. game. He had that one game. He didn't have that one, two, three, four, five games. He had that one game. But Cam wasn't playing that game. (laughs) I believe that was a game Cam was not playing. But look at at so many of the games. Again, I know it's a taste of the tournament, but that's, you know, when we, everyone's watching.
1: Yeah, you're talking the VT
0: game. Yes. Yes, he had a really good game that game. Mm -hmm. He was outstanding. But
1: the first time they played VT only had nine
0: points. But it's. How, how, what, what's his impact going to be at the next Mm -hmm. level? Good defender, lockdown defender, really good. Not as good as a Cassius Winston, but really good at being able to move an offense Mm -hmm. and work an offense and the offense for Duke has flowed through him. I know people can Mm -hmm. say it's flowed through Zion and, and RJ, but it's flowed through Trey Jones. How good is he going to be at the next level? For the NBA. So I'm watching a video here.
1: on It's ESPN on Trey Jones' stat page. And it's they're doing an interview after the game. And R.J. Barrett has to, he doesn't have to, but honestly he does because that's what you do um, to your buddies is he's got to put his arm around Trey and console him because Trey is so, so distraught after losing that Michigan State game that kind of just breaks your heart um, to see him like that. Um, but that's an interesting thing that I thought about when I saw Trey Jones break down like that. I was like, huh, a couple of years ago, Adam Morrison does almost the same thing and we're making fun of him for it. Years later, Trey Jones does it and Trey Jones isn't the only one. It's just for that Duke game he was. And nowadays it's like, oh, look at that guy, He's showing emotion. Where When Adam Morrison did it, it was like, oh, look at this crybaby, He lost a game, men don't cry. Um, just kind of made me think of how our society and culture has changed, especially with the tournament and losing games and showing emotion. I think the best decisions for Trey would be to go back. Um, I don't think he has to come out because, like you mentioned, with uh, the NBA side, It all depends on where he fits. If he's going to for sure go to Boston, then sure, come out. That'd be a great fit for Trey Jones. But if you're going to go, let's say, to Brooklyn, let's say, to Detroit, like, eh, you know what, maybe I'll come back. Like, if you're going to go to Cleveland, maybe I'll come back and go and try to work on some stuff because, like, for me, the thing, the glaring thing that comes out to me is his three-point percentage of what he hit, not even averaged one a game um, when shooting three a game, hit 26%. So for me, I would say Trey Jones should come back. Cassius will come back because I don't think they're going to win the national title. Um, And then Carson Edwards moves on. Any final thoughts about anything we talked about? I know I threw the Trey Jones at you last second, but anything with Cassius, uh, Carson, or Trey to end the podcast? No. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. Also, make sure to hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast. We got new rewards for you guys, and they are great. So go ahead and check those out. Make sure to also rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Every five-star rating really helps us out and gets us into more earholes of people um, <laughs> that like college sports and college basketball and football. But thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.